<coughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the the <coughs> the awkward throat player. Now here's your host, Aaron Chalupa. How's it going on After 30 Podcast listeners? This is Aaron Chalupa with the Awkward Throat Clear. Uh, still recording out of my brother's acreage on the, in the house there. We would, would, uh, would stove. Vale Mount. Middle of Vale Mount, British Columbia. Robson Valley. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. This is actually Canoe Valley. Canoe Valley? Yeah, the Robson Valley's up there. Oh, okay. Well, my mistake then. <laughs> Things you learn from a local, right? Oh, don't call me a local yet. I get local yokel. Twenty-two more years and then I qualify. Kind of going a little off topic already. Uh, <laughs> when I was in Australia, there's this place south of Adelaide uh, called Kangaroo Island, and I went there, and I was hearing a story from a local quotation marks there about how uh, everyone, yeah, or quotes, the bunny rabbits, uh, how. You know, everyone considers a local something different. So, in the bar, somebody would be like, "Oh, well, you're not local till you've been here five years. Oh, yeah, you're not local till you've been here, you know, 20 years, so on and so forth." Uh, There's actually a newspaper article about somebody that moved there. Like uh, this, this guy and his family uh, moved to Kangaroo Island when he was about 10 years old, and it was back in like the 1920s or 30s or something like that. And so he died at like 98 years old or something crazy like that. And the headline in the newspaper, this is actually something that happened, it was, um, almost local man dies, you know? <laughs> and he's like one of the, like, not, not one of the original settlers there, but like one of the, I think he was like the island's oldest guy that's ever like, you know, the oldest person that's lived on that island, you know? <laughs> his so longest, like, he's almost a hundred years longest old. tenured. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But still he wasn't considered a local because he wasn't born there in their eyes. So, uh, yeah, I digress on that. Uh, so yeah, last few episodes we've been talking about beer. Um, the most recent one, uh, chapter two or episode two of uh, Mike Lewis. Wait till we get to episode twelve. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We we probably could go on even more. So than that. like, here's the deal: if you guys are tired of listening to me, it's it's Aaron's fault because he's like, no, tell that story, and I'm like, All right, <laughs> fuck, I'll talk. I don't give a shit. Just fast forward to like episode uh, fifteen. And, and not even my fault. I would say it's also your own product's fault with the beer because that's just you know it just helps, just helps the verbal diarrhea of, of fantastic <laughs> stories and the Texas you know and pooping rambling and all that stuff yeah exactly so uh, yeah we finished off with uh, you know beers you're proud of and we started talking about um, Mike's veteran uh, history with the, the American military uh, we're going to touch more into that uh, in a, for a few episodes or so because he's got some great stories and what he did was uh, very honorable. It's, it's, it's one it's one hell of a profession and um, you know you, you have to commit a lot to that uh, that line of work for sure. So we'll touch more on that where we're not just kind of bouncing around beer and Come on, random it just stuff. Turns dinosaur dinosaur bones into noise. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, you you are quite old as well, so. <laughs> <laughs> beer almost came out of his nose uh, mark your bingo cards there folks <laughs> so I'll, I'll, uh, you know, with that being said Anthony uh, we're going to go back into the, the beer world here um, one interesting project you have coming up for the first time ever Vale Mount's going to have a beer fest 
Fucking ain't right, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Uh, the veil mount, lowercase v, yep. capital A-L-E. Yep. You put the ale in veil mount. Yes. The veil mount craft beer experience, June 17th, 2017. Tickets go on sale soon. Uh, we have a Facebook page, veil mount craft beer experience. We have a Facebook well, or sorry, webpage is coming and it's craftbeerfest.veilmount.ca. It should hopefully be up by. Uh, can I date this? Can you date this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it should be up roughly around the 16th or 18th of March. Yeah, so that's, it's probably already up by the time this is released. Yeah, so go back in time and fix your shit. <laughs> uh, hopefully you were able to get tickets. Uh, but it's going to be pretty fucking amazing. Do, do you uh, have any uh, breweries that you can name that are going to be there already? Or any, uh, anyone from I the States or anything? all. Yeah? Almost all. Almost uh, all. No, nobody from the States. Who the fuck wants that? <laughs> we're in no. Northern BC Beer Festival. Nobody. And mind you, I am the only fucking Northern BC Beer Festival it's not going to do in winter. I love them, and yes, we're in the north, and we love the snow, but I fucking hate driving to those things. Brap, 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 brap. That's you. Um, That's a skidoo sound, by the way. Yeah. Uh, or sled, or snowmobile, whatever you want to call it. Snowmobile, sled. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, June 17th, uh, it's going to be Three Inches Brewing. Barkerville Brewing, Sherwood Mountain Brewing, uh, Brewhouse, <clears throat> Wheelhouse Brewing, all the way from Prince Rupert. Yep. My brother's on the other coast. <clears throat> um, Crossroads Brewing, which actually still, as the time we record this podcast, has not officially opened. They will in another four days. Um, and potentially Trench Brewing, which... Is opening in Prince George. I really, I'm not sure if they're going to be uh, quite on time yet. So look, now that this whole thing has already happened, just go look back through our Facebook feed <laughs> and you can see whether we announce them or not. <clears throat> White Tooth Brewing, which is a new brewery out of Golden. Okay. Um, I heard there was a new one popping up there, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to caveat real quick. <clears throat> We're a destination location and a festival with lots of fermentation with lots of fermentation and by destination i mean you're not going to come here drink some beer in the drive home. no because we are in the middle of everywhere close to fucking nowhere and so by that we have some amazing stuff here we have a, a the developing world-class mountain bike park yep we have two different that, that you guys are supporting Yep, we support with our Vale Trail XPA. <clears throat> we have uh, two uh, really awesome, uh, I don't know really what you call them, horse horse experience. Horseback riding trails? Yeah, yeah, horse, horse horseback, trail riding. Horse trail companies. Yeah. yeah, horse company. Anyway, they do horse stuff. Cool. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, Awesome helicopter company, which is actually uh, Western Canada kind of wide reach mm -hmm. helicopter company and Yellowhead Helicopters. They do some great tours up around Mount Robson, the highest peak in the Canadian Rockies. I've also flown with <laughs> Yellowhead with Forestry, so. Oh, see, there you go. They're good guys. Um, we have 
potentially a year-round glacier ski destination going in. Um, we have tons of stuff. Whitewater rafting. We have two whitewater rafting companies here that uh, raft down the Fraser River, which is, you know, one of the, I think it's the it's second or third river. longest river in the world. One of the... Uh, uh, I wouldn't say in the world, but definitely in Canada or in North America. In Canada, it's the second longest in North... Third in North America, maybe. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's... Yeah. it's it is uh, I, one of the longest, one of the longest salmon runs yep. in the world. Yeah. It's stupid long, and it's amazing to see the salmon run. So you won't see it during the festival. You have to come back. Yeah. <laughs> you have to come back in like a lot, lot of these things. I, that's the great thing about Belmont is that you have a lot of different uh, activities and yeah. um, you know, festivals and things to do so, throughout a period of time. Like wintertime, you have heli skiing, which is... A, a huge industry in this area. We have area. two heli skiing lodges here. Snowmobiling is a huge thing too. Yeah, um, lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. So um, it's an outdoorsman's dream. It is. There's crazy great fishing here mm -hmm. and hunting. Um, so anyway, for our festival, you drive in on a Friday. You can fly in too. We have an airport because um, the festival's at the airport. <laughs> so you uh, you come in on a Friday. Friday night there will be an event. Mm -hmm. Um, we're still kind of forming that, but uh, there's going to be one-off beers from a few of the breweries that won't be available on Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, but so you can get in at the event. There'll be a little bit of food, live music, and probably some of the brewers will be hanging out. You can meet them if you're beer geeky enough. <laughs> um and so, oh, back to my original point, because it's a destination event, we don't think we're just getting 600 beer geeks out here. Yeah. We also want something else of significant quality that will draw from our major feeder points of uh, Prince George, Kamloops, Edmonton, Calgary, mm -hmm. uh, and that's great music. So we have three bands lined up uh, for the Saturday event and one band lined up for the Friday night event. So it's not a beer tasting event. It is a music and beer experience and to experience Vail Mount. Mm -hmm. So I said we're holding this at the airport. Our airport is like 4Ks out in the bush. Yeah, not, not too far away from our brother's acreage. Yeah, I'm sure he'll like the. I'm sure he'll like the. He'll like the trap. Yeah. <laughs> actually, he'll like the proximity to. <laughs> no kidding. He'll just walk home. That'll be perfect. Um. Yeah, according to pick him up in the quad. So uh, no, so it's really awesome because it's it's in the middle of a huge clear cut, and you have nothing but beautiful, amazing mountains to look at. No. And the scenery is phenomenal. Stunning, honestly. And so you're going to be standing out there, and you're going to be drinking amazing craft beer. And because not everybody's a beer geek, we're going to have a craft winery and a cidery. There you go. So we have Left Field Cider Company coming, and we have Northern Lights Winery, BC's northernmost winery, coming in. Oh. They have... That's out of Prince George. That's out of Prince George. Yeah. They're in a state winery with fruit wines that are... Fucking excellent. It's too bad I didn't have my license for uh, meadery because I've been making homemade mead over the winter. Oh, see, there yeah, you go. Yeah, Why big, are you uh, drinking fucking mead right now? Nah, I'm out of it right now. I'm out of it. I'm out of it. We It's, it's split between three of my buddies, uh, my, myself and two buddies. Well, because we're drinking your beer. It's a podcast about your beer. Mm. <laughs> so we got to be drinking your stuff. Actually, no, we've hardly talked about beer. <laughs> 
yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, you know, beer drinkers with a podcast problem. You I know. know. Yeah, I know. that's what it's happens. It's okay. I love it. Uh, do, do you have any other events or uh, special things that might be happening? Like you're gonna have a so you're having live music. Um, it, it, it's obviously just a festival. You're not having a beer judged or anything like that. But no, no. Uh, what, uh, so what we're gonna do? So I. Uh, this is my first go around organizing this. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one's gonna be awesome. We have uh, some great music lined up, great beers, and uh, we'll do a fan favorite. We'll have like an award mm-hmm. for that, so we'll tally up all the yeah. uh, votes. Perfect. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I mean it, it's just the activity. Like you have all day Saturday. Mm-hmm to do some of these awesome activities. And we've worked with our uh, local lodging facilities, the hotels, to build packages around putting activities and hotel rooms and tickets for the event together so that you end up with this entire one-stop shop. Perfect, just whole kit and caboodle. Yeah, you know, (laughs) you wanna go horseback riding? Car your hotel. And then you got time Sunday morning before you leave yeah. to do something else, too. So your whole trip is kind of already planned yeah. out for you. You don't have to worry about anything. It's just, right. just getting home. So <laughs> I'm going to reflect back again, too, to the last podcast, if you listened to it. I talked about Communities for Veterans. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a nonprofit event. Uh, nobody's making money off this. We are putting uh, the majority of the funds out of this event go to Communities for Veterans. Um, and then we're then splitting the remainder of the funds between two local organizations um, that are really important uh, to our community, which is the Legion and our um, Valmount Arts and Cultural Society, or VAX, um, because they are, uh, people don't completely realize, I think, how, how much culture you can lack Oh, God. Living out in BFE. Um, uh, BFE? Oh, sorry. Bumfuck Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> so, or Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. Um, these guys work and run pretty much purely on grants. Yes. To bring some amazing acts into this town. We had the Kelowna Ballet I just took my daughters to. Oh, right on. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, they two, had a good time. Two weeks ago. They did. They loved it. Holy shit. And awesome. I've never been to ballet before, so it was interesting. Oh, I, thought, I thought with those light feet you were part uh, of I'm going to throw this phone at you. <laughs> um, I have seen Michael Casehammer, an amazing pianist. Mm-hmm. I've seen... Um, <laughs> being my non-Canadian self, I've seen... Uh, Fred Penner. <laughs> I think I think Courtney, my sister-in-law, did an article on him for the yeah, Sentinel. Yeah, she did, actually. Yeah, it was pretty funny. One of my childhood heroes. Uh, the Harpoonist and the Axe Murder. Okay. Who are an amazing blues band. Um, some really just phenomenal acts have come through this town. Yeah. That otherwise, and, and I will tell you this, they are the organizers of our music, and we wouldn't have the main act that we do without them. So. Totally. And I always find that, um, you know, Jasper and Valmont are kind of uh, a suburb of, of each other. So with, oh, one, totally. with one community doing something, you get support 
um, and backing from the other community, and uh, vice versa. <clears throat> so, you know, like uh, if there's something happening in Jasper, people don't hesitate from Valemont to come over, and you know, if there's ever something, oh yeah, I'm sure you guys will be pulling a lot from Jasper and Hinton. Uh, when, we, when, when it comes to the beer fest, we as a brewery have uh, a huge support from Jasper. Like it's pretty amazing. I I actually get a giggle. Uh, you'll get uh, entire crews of like twenty and thirty mountain bikers. Yeah, who come from Jasper to here to ride our mountain bike park on the weekend, and it's it's fucking hilarious because. You know, Saturday, everybody's done riding by like 6 o'clock, and they roll into the brewery. Well, Sunday, it's all time to head back. Yeah. Well, it's only an hour and 20-minute drive back, but they actually know that the brewery closes at 7 o'clock. <laughs> they fucking roll off the mountain at 6.30. Yeah. And so the brewery ends up staying open till 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. maybe even 9. Yeah. Because... They roll in at last call and order two beers, and they got them stacked on their table, plus yeah. dinner, plus the whole gamut, and you're like, no, hey, guys, yeah. <laughs> and they all stink, and we love them. Like, yeah. it, it's, you know, it's our Jasper yeah. crowd. That's, that's, my, that's my dream, man, is just to have community, you know? Yeah. There's, there's nothing that makes, makes you feel more at home than community. And, and this... A town too, that you love loves you back. And this, too, goes back to my, I don't want to be in that lower mainland competition, in that large urban area. Because, yeah, you have community in your small little pockets, Mm -hmm. but there's so much intercedence from everybody who's, you know, walked the extra three blocks or done this or that. Versus here, I like, I can walk out, I mean, when we opened our brewery, I, I fuck, didn't know anybody in Valmount. My assistant mm-hmm. walked in my back door one day while I was holding up a wall on my stick-built walking cooler trying to unfuck it. And he's like, hey, do you need a hand? I was like, yeah, fuck, can you grab that hammer and, like, nail that shit in? Yeah. And he never left. <laughs> like, I guess you should start paying you now. Well, no, I mean, that was kind of the case. Like, I couldn't even force him to leave because yeah. he just... He liked beer. Yeah. He wanted to learn how to brew. He Too just, easy. He just wouldn't fucking leave. He volunteered for a year. Oh, wow. And so, like, I love the guy to death. We're we're very good friends. Clayton's a good guy. He is. Clayton's and uh, and so, by the time we opened, I mind you, so, I we rolled into Vail Mountain January of uh, 2013. My wife was... Uh, Eight months pregnant, seven and a half months pregnant, and we had actually sold our house in October, and we couch surfed all of Christmas and New Year's at friends' places in Victoria who were out of town because she had some complications with her pregnancy, Mm -hmm. and they were like, you're not allowed to leave until you hit 32 weeks. Oh, shit. Because... If something happens, you're just coming back down here because nobody else in the province yeah. can deal with this. Yeah. And we were like, well, fuck, okay. So we just hung out for, <laughs> for six weeks in people's houses. <laughs> and so, That's all right. And so um, the day that 32 weeks hit, we packed up the car, got on the ferry, and 
fucked off to Vail Mount. Mm-hmm. Ten days later, she blew her nose and we had a child. <laughs> <laughs> On the highway. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> oh, so, such a small town story. Uh, our youngest child. What barn were you born in? <laughs> uh, very close. I actually do have a GPS location of the spot. No kidding. And the overlook. Oh, she'll be so proud Looking of out over the Fraser River. Well, oh. like way out towards the Fraser River. Of uh, where she was born 10 minutes outside of McBride. <laughs> there you go. No problem at all. So uh, we, yeah, we moved here. We didn't know anybody. You should just went over to the dog sled place. I'm sure they're used to birth and pups. <laughs> pretty, much. pretty much the same thing, right? See, why do you make all, jokes all, like all, that? All the, all the movies are just hot water, right? You, it, the baby's coming. I hot do hot water, water and hot towels. Hot water, <laughs> water and towels. Well, no, so, okay, fuck. So <laughs> she, she, uh, we were talking that day. We are like, oh, shit, we need to pack a bag. Yeah. Like, we've been in town 10 days. It's close enough. We need to pack a bag. And we had planned we were going to drive to Hinton, which is two hours uh, east of here into Alberta. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's where we are going to go to have the kid. I, we talk about it. I'm like, okay, that's tomorrow's plan. We will get on that. Babies don't have plans. No, they don't. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of freeloaders. So, uh, so we're sitting there that night. I come out of the bedroom putting our two-year-old to sleep. And I hear, I think she sneezed or something. And she blew her nose and she gets up and she goes, oh, shit, I think my water just broke. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? You didn't catch that with Kleenex? Yeah. <laughs> Did you make a mess? <laughs> ah, shit. So, uh... I liked that couch. <laughs> so, I'm just looking at him like, oh, fuck. So, I'm going through the whole process, like, what do we do? So, she calls her mom to get the folks over to take care of the one that's already in bed. Yep. I go out and start my truck. It's 8.30. We have a discussion about it. Her folks make the recommendation. Hey, you should probably, you know, call the hospital in Hinton and tell them you're coming. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've never driven to Hinton, so I have no fucking clue where I'm going. Oh, good. <clears throat> so I west call, in the north. I call out there, and the it's nurse east of the north for you. Yeah. And so I call out there, and the nurse goes, "How far along?" I'm like, "Well, she's five weeks and six days." Yeah. Or five. Whatever it was, it was like five. It was five weeks early. Yeah. They're like, well, we can't take her until she's only down to four weeks. Oh shit. I'm like, what? She goes. Yeah, what do you mean you you can't? You get here and we're gonna put you in an ambulance and send you on to Edmonton. Ed- Edmonton, not even Edson. Not even Edson. So oh, I'm like, jeez. Well, fuck that. Edmonton's five hours from here. Yeah. So south, I've got three hours to Kamloops, and west, I have three hours to, P- to Prince George. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, I just called the ambulance. Yeah. And said, hey, this is the situation. And they're like, oh, bring her in. So we go in there. So now, mind you, my truck started idling at 8.30, yeah. 8.35. By the time we rolled into the clinic in Vailmount, it was about 10 after 9. Mm-hmm. It sat out there running. They have a half an hour bitching at each other, the nurse and the paramedic and whatever. Yeah. And they're, they're, our plan has always been that if we have to do this, we're going south to Kamloops because at least there's family in Kamloops that I can stay with while she's in the hospital. Totally, yeah. That's smart, a, that's smart a move, plus. Right? Yeah. yeah. There's no doctor on call 
in Veilmount. Oh. They're on Colin McBride. McBride is fucking west of here on the way to PG. Yeah. It's a Prince drive. Prince George. Yeah. It's, it's about a 50-minute drive. So, needless to say, the decision is made to take her McBride to see the doctor on call, which means now we're moving an hour in the opposite direction of where our plan is to go... Kamloops. To Kamloops. Oh. So, by the time all this is said and done, my truck is now idled for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> and I did acknowledge that when I pulled up to the Valorant Clinic, I needed gas. I get in the truck, I start driving, I turn the corner, it sits 20 kilometers up to the Highway 16, and then you turn and you start going to, and I look down, my gas light's on, I'm like, motherfucker, I can't, <laughs> I can't get anywhere. Yeah. I end up pulling into a, the Terracana Lodge, yeah. they have sled fuel. She's like, fill it up. There you go. I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? Here, I'll just take like 10 liters enough to get me to McBride. To McBride. Yeah. So that's the story of fucking small town BC is like, I could not pay her. She wouldn't take my money for this super <laughs> premium gas. And then my kid's born like, you know, an hour later. So with my brother and sister-in-law, uh, Courtney, I think from hearing this story probably from Rundy, oh, yeah. is that she just prepared and is like, I'm going to go to Edmonton and stay with my in-laws, my parents for a whole month just to make sure that this shit doesn't happen to me. So they're just, she's in, uh, you know, like as much as you stay in the city and Courtney lived in the city, she doesn't like the city. She loves it out here. Um, but getting well fed right next to the hospital, <clears throat> no problems there. So yeah, <laughs> avoided sure. that. Cause I'm, I guarantee you would have been the same thing. It probably would have been Kevin driving Courtney on the quad or something like that in, oh, a, bl in a blizzard. For fuck's sake. It was so funny, man. And you know what's funny about this? Um, the, the head of the podcast, Anthony, he's uh, a dad-to-be. So his, his wife is pregnant right now. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, yeah right? Uh, it's an amazing experience that ruined your life. <laughs> he's also expecting a girl. Uh, and they have, he has a little side series uh, called We're Going to Be Dads, and it's him and one of his buddies. And they talk about like preparation for being a dad. Uh, and then they have buddies come in and they, who, are, who are dads or Anthony's brother or whatever, and they tell them, like, their stories and things like that. So, Anthony, if you're listening to this, you being in Milton, right in between Toronto and Hamilton, uh, yeah, put, put you and Brittany in this uh, remote British Columbia mountain village. Oh, and then watch the, uh, go on fucking YouTube and watch Dads in a Park. It's hilarious. Dads that what? I think it's Dads in a Park. I'll look it up. Okay. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, I'm, I'm, my, my biggest, uh, I'm sorry, my favorite uh, dad videos are always the ones where, like, the dad saves the kid at, like, the last moment. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty good. So, yeah, Anthony, you think that you have it tough. Uh, yeah. Have a, have a baby on the side of the highway. That's always a good time. That's right. And I, I just want you to know, too, again, back to the reflection of me being American, I saw my first moose, like, three minutes before my child was born. Oh, right on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. No, good times. <laughs> So but it was hilarious. So, you're, so your second daughter always reminds you of a moose. Yeah. <laughs> Except she's a meat eater. Like, fucking crazy meat eater. Perfect. Nothing wrong with that. So, <clears throat> getting back it's, on it's beer. dad's in the park, sorry. Um, yeah, so besides Beer Fest and the mountain park, uh, yeah. or mountain bike uh, park and trail, uh, any other projects that you're part of in town? Like, you seem very involved in the community. You'd almost be the mayor. 
Uh, no, no, God, no, I can't. <laughs> Keep am, away from I'm not Canadian, so I can't even vote. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, Do that's you, okay. I know. What happened to the America? You know, like come in here and kick, drop kick somebody. Like I'm in charge now. No, no, I'm very happy to let them screw with their own shit. That's absolutely fine. You know, as long as nobody really fucks with my business, you're I'm happy. okay with that. Perfect. Yep. Well, until, you know, I open my brew pub right next to yours in that open lot. You know what? That open lot's actually mine, so oh, you is have it? to fuck off down the block. Is, is, <laughs> is it yours? You actually bought that already? Well, no, it's part of my building. It's oh, like okay. one big lot. Oh, because I remember the last time we were talking about that. It's like, oh, you don't build it right beside me. I'm happy because that's your expansion. Oh, no, property. there's actually, so there's another guy who is banking on the ski hill. He's bought a building in town. I've heard about this. Yeah, and yeah. he says he's going to start a brewery. We'll see what happens. Yeah. He, you know, if the ski hill goes and there's two breweries in town... There won't be a problem. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. What he doesn't understand is what November is like mm-hmm. with no ski hill. Well, if, well, with the ski hill, though, is that it's supposed to be year-round, though. It, well, exactly. It's, it's on a glacier, right? Exactly. But still, there, there will be a shoulder season. There's always a shoulder season, no matter what you do. But the problem becomes, there's no guarantee of this hill. There's an announcement coming soon that we hope is is great. I didn't build my brewery based upon the potential of uh, ski development. Um, I don't wish this guy any ill will at all. Like I would, I would say the more the the merrier. Mm-hmm. But what he just doesn't understand is that he's gonna suffer. Big reality check. Huge reality check come November and come April. Like, it just sucks. I mean, how do you think I ended up getting, you know, distribution uh, to... He's pouring and talking at the same time. Yeah, sorry, I'm pouring out a growler. Distribution (laughs) going to to places like... uh, Smithers and Kamloops and yeah. so forth yeah. wasn't really a huge desire for me. I don't want to be a big brewery. I don't want to fucking send beer down the lower mainland. Uh, it's a necessity because I've built a capacity to serve a customer base that is massive in the summer. Like it is just stupid big and it's growing every year, but in the winter, you all of a sudden you've built this capacity and you built bills in to, to essentially finance that capacity, mm-hmm. but you gotta fucking pay for it. So mm-hmm. I can't just not make beer. Nope. I have to make a certain amount of beer, then it has to go somewhere. But then what happens is you say, oh, Joe Bob's liquor store, you'd like to carry my beer? Okay, here it is. Oh wait, it's summertime and you still want my beer? Well, I only made enough beer um, to serve my customers coming in yeah. the tap room. Yeah. But you can't get away with that because Joe Bob then won't want to carry your beer anymore in the mm-hmm. winter. So guess what? You grow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now you got to serve him. But now... Grow a little bit, increase production, all that kind of it, stuff. Exactly. And the, and the problem is you're never increasing perfectly to the amount of demand that you mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. It's always a little more, a little less. Well, then once you find that you can brew more, then it's like, oh, well, I can sell more. So it's a constant battle about... Uh, you know, like, oh, oh, well, I was able to keep this efficient. I, I, 
Uh, so for Mike's uh, system, he can he can brew three times in a day. Oh fuck off! Official? I brew four times in a day. Four times in a day. Sucks. I hate it. So it, it, his batch is a little bit smaller than uh, you know some some. No, no, it's true. Don't talk about my batch like that. <laughs> <laughs> batches be batches. Uh, <laughs> hashtag batches be batches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you clap, clap the fingers for the hashtag mark. Uh, but like, for, for a lot of breweries, it's like one big batch a day. Or if they're a 24-hour uh, brewing company, then they just brew all the time. But uh, for, for your size, though, it's quite small, so you can do all these batches in a day. Uh where was I going with this? I kind of lost my trail of thought. It's a train of thought. Tra um, train of thought, too, yeah. So, yeah. no, but it comes down to we we have grown to, I have uh, five 10-barrel fermenters, which it's 1,250 hex, mm -hmm. hectoliters. Sorry. No, 12 hectoliters. Hectoliters works out. 1,250 liters. So, a hectoliter. Cause, because some Canadians don't actually know this. Yeah. It was a even better a barrel. It's like, oh, barrels, yeah. A, a barrel is 117 liters. Yeah, that's, 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 a, that's a good measurement. 117.35. <laughs> um, that's a barrel of beer, mind you, not a barrel of oil. They're different. Mm -hmm. A Good old imperial. <clears throat> so a hectoliter is 100 liters. So if I say 12 hex, 12 hex that means 1,200. I've quickly. explained this before, don't worry. Oh, have you? On, on the Beer Occasion. Check out the old Beer Occasion episodes, people. Episode number? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, probably one, maybe yeah. two. Anyway, so uh, so I have, I have five 12 and a half hex tanks. And I have a 12 hex conditioning tank and an 11 hex conditioning tank. And then I have a single... Six heck fermenter and a six heck conditioning tank. So when I started out, I had five single batch. So a batch is, I'm going to tell you, a batch is three hecks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so when I started out, I had one of these six heck fermenters and like five three hecks. Mm -hmm. uh, that was December. Well, actually, we started brewing like October, but <clears throat> by the time we opened December, by April, I had added, I'd gotten rid of two of the three hex, and I had added two of the six hex. Yeah. By June, I had just added, I didn't get rid of anything else, I had just added two more of the six hex fermenters. Mm -hmm. Now I exist with five 12 hex, a six hex, two conditioning tanks for the big tanks and one single conditioning tank for the little one. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the debate of whether I'm going to ditch the little one and put another big one in or not. Yeah. <clears throat> but the problem is for our lighter beers, less than 5%, I can do what's called high gravity brewing. So I take the exact same recipe, scale it so that it's actually a bigger gravity beer. Like if I took our Pilsner, which is 4.7%, I would scale it up to about a 7% beer, 7.5, and then I dilute it back down to the 4.7 because in my non-scientific vernacular, molecularly, it kind of works mm -hmm. in that scaled ratio, and when you dilute it, it tastes the fucking same. Yeah. Um, and so we do that so I can brew three batches, and for the volume of the fourth batch, I dilute into it with pasteurized water. 
Um, they're not pasteurized, but sterilized water. <clears throat> but for our bigger beers, like our IPA and our red, which are over 6%, uh, and in the winter, our, our porter, you can't do that. You're brewing four batches. So yeah. I walk in the door at 530 in the morning to, to mash in by about 6 a.m., and Clayton walks out at about 11 to midnight. Yeah. So. That's the same as Jasper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just not as yeah. efficient. Because um, you go, only do one brew day. Yeah, we sure can. Well, we could. In God forbid the heat of the hot liquor, James. Oh, God. That can be fun. Phil, uh, get burners in your hot liquor tank. <laughs> he doesn't listen to this. You don't know. He should. He should. He should. Uh, that Aussie. Um, so I was talking about other projects. Uh, one that you're trying to tap into, uh, geothermal. Is that still a thing now? Oh, geothermal is always a thing. It'd be an amazing thing. Um, we have the opportunity for geothermal in the valley. We have a really great potential resource for it, as in a reservoir around the kind of sort of underneath Vale Mount, stretching towards Kinbasket Lake. <clears throat> the problem is, is uh, the will of the government, both provincial and federal, uh -huh. and the money behind it. And uh, just like grants or what? no, not grants. Like it, it's kind of a shit show because the way <clears throat> the way the um, province doles out. Uh, drilling essentially exploration applications like it's I mean it's all good uh, there's a company called Borealis Geothermal that has the um, rights I think is the proper term but then it comes to actually funding there's lots of um, oh it's a fuck magic word the uh, Models built around yeah. the potential geothermal there. We have like magically appearing hot springs. You can look on some of our Facebook feeds for the Vailmont Geothermal Society. Mm -hmm. And that lake is frozen over thick, like go skate hockey on it, drive your car on it. Mm -hmm. And holy shit, if there's not a spot where there's fresh water from the lake welling out of the ice from the hot spring right below it. Oh, wow. Blowing through. <clears throat> but there are just challenges getting through the hoops and the cost of drilling to the depth needed for a viable project. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of comes into what are you drilling for? Are you shooting for electricity? Are you shooting for direct use heat? And what is economically viable for a company that's going to come in to use mm -hmm. this? And so that's kind of the challenge we're facing because uh, my wife, uh, Rundy, is way more versed in this than I am. She's on the village's uh, direct use heat committee, and she's also on the uh, Valmont Geothermal Society. And they're working with Borealis and through the municipality and eventually like kind of up with the province of how to bring all these things together to make it happen. Mm -hmm. For us, it's a bit of a timing issue. We're, <coughs> excuse me, trying to figure it out. We're actually just finishing, uh, essentially doing a, a study with Queen's team, uh, Queen's University, 
um, and a, a graduate team working on looking at essentially like sort of a financial prospectus uh, based upon our business scaling up to a size that's feasible and building a facility in what we have as a proposed geothermal industrial park. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is just timing. Like it's our growth ratio moving forward where we need to grow and invest into equipment for the brewery versus when there's actually going to be development and forward movement with uh, the industrial park to allow us to move out there, build an entire facility, and build a geothermal brewery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's awesome. I want to see it happen for Valmount. I just don't know if the timing's going to work out perfectly for us to grow into that. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to have to be more of a tertiary leap down the line. So. No, it's just fine. It gives you more time to really... Uh, Get a complete grasp of the idea. No, true, but geothermal is catching on it in other places. Oh, huge and, in New Zealand. Well, no, I mean in Canada, it's finally starting to pick up. Like, oh really? Yeah. Well, Hinton um, made the realization, and because they actually had drilled wells around Hinton, mm -hmm. they were like, "Oh fuck! Look, we can just uncap one of these wells and, pl and plumb into that and pull out the same kind of heat resource that we need." Like it's there, it exists. Sweet. And so, in that, and that's one of the discussions that CANGEA, uh, the Canadian Geothermal Association, um, is having. Like articles have been written by some of the members of Borealis of like, we have all these capped wells. Yeah. That are sitting there doing nothing, either because it's, it's not economically oh, viable, yep. based on the oil prices or whatever. Well, guess what? Take the cap off that. And use it to access the heat resources down there. And guess what? You have an a environmentally sustainable resource that's not petroleum-based. Last time I checked, Canada's pretty cold, and we like heat in the wintertime. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody uses a shit ton of it. And by the way, <laughs> we're burning down boreal forests. Not burning them down, but we're cutting them down yeah. to burn them for heat. Yeah. So why don't you... As we have a wood stove right behind us. Well, we do. Yeah. There's a lot of dead trees here. There are a lot of dead trees. From Pine Beetle. And Kevin loves to chop them down. Well, it's kind of fun. Well, it's, it, you know, number one, it's his property. Number two, he can chop them down. And number three, dead trees are, aren't safe. You know? No, they're not he's safe. Got, he's, got, he's got a baby here. Especially got, with the windstorms and shit that we've had yeah. this past year. No, Kevin had an accident with uh, some dead trees when he was a, a firefighter. So <clears> I'm sure he just looks at them and is like... Mm. Cut you down, you bastard. Well, you know, you go south of here to uh, Barrier and in 2000 and something or other. I don't know the year, but I drive through there quite a bit. <clears throat> it's on the way to Kamloops. And uh, from all the beetle kill that was around there, there was a massive, massive forest fire. Yep. Um, that amazingly jumped the highway and avoided destroying a lot of stuff. But the, the amount of burn that's still down there and you can see all the dead ex exposed well, like it's crazy thankfully it did burn because sometimes that stuff just lasts forever and it doesn't regrow for 
a long time. Well, exactly. And but, have you ever seen, like, I, I know that happened, but have you ever actually seen it firsthand how fast that no, uh, no, pine beetle no, tree, no. like, dead, dead, uh, dead pine beetle trees go? They go fast. They light up so fast. It's almost like watching, um, like, dead grass burn. Yeah, like, like a well, big grass fire. It yeah. just, it flies. So, um, to, to see that stuff burn up and then hopefully new growth comes in, it's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, next topic here. Um, <laughs> this is always a fun one for any kind of business owner. What are some biggest surprises you experienced in the job? How much I suck at running a business. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God for your wife, eh? Uh, yeah, no joke, eh? She's the brains and the beauty. Yes. Because uh, Mike is not much to look at. I'm not. I'm <laughs> That's why I make you beer, so you find me enjoyable to be around. Exactly. Um, challenges. Gosh, everything. Like, I I think one thing that constantly astounds me, and I'll get in trouble for this if anybody official ever listens to it, but is how much people uh, don't realize how little this industry makes <laughs> like it the craft brewing industry the craft brewing industry because the beer industry is huge the beer or industry, the alcohol industry the, the alcohol is so let's let's trim down the fat the alcohol industry is huge yeah the beer industry is super big yeah um but the craft beer industry is is significantly small like in canada it's reaching almost kind of close to like 10 percent yeah. of the market um Beer's a volume business. And the the crazy thing about craft beer, and there's a guy who wrote a letter to the Alberta government after the uh, whole tax hike thing, um, said it the best. One of the reasons craft beer is such a great boon for provincial economies and for local economies is because of our inefficiencies. Mm. You know... Everybody boohooed over this big fucking uh, plant, packaging plant shut down in East Van, Vancouver, East Vancouver. I think commercial drive area. And it was a uh, Molson plant packaging that shut down. I've I've heard of this. Yeah, this was like two, probably two years ago, maybe almost three. Um that did probably as much or more beer production and, and like in the, so <clears throat> productions actually counted for tax purposes at the point of packaging. Mm. Like you can brew all day and then dump it down the drain and keep going that route. Nobody gives a shit until you actually put it in a keg or a can or a bottle. That's when it counts. That's when they want your money. Yeah. And so uh, they probably did as much, or more than all the breweries on commercial drive combined. And who knows, maybe even most of fucking Vancouver. Um, but they closed down, and part of the discussion around it was the impact of the craft beer market. They fired 14 people. Let them go. Hmm. 14 people. Like, holy shit, I have a brewery that makes one one hundredth of what those guys probably packaged 
in a month. Mm -hmm. Like my annual production is less than what they packaged in a month. And I have seven employees. So the inefficiencies in craft beer, part of what make them, besides being a local product <clears throat> that employs local people and, and creates this workforce, not to mention a community around, because we, our brewery has become a, a bit of a hub, community hub. In fact, I was quite impressed at one point because our mayor talks about the rumors that start at the brewery. <laughs> so that, that right there is a bit of a, a badge of honor for me. Um, you know, and, and I, you know, I've got seven employees. And it's just like, in a town of 950 people, you know, I'm getting close to the 1% mark. Like, he, he, that's pretty awesome for a single business. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> when you look at those inefficiencies and you look at the impact it has on GDP for the province, on tax revenue, like, oh my God, we might, you know, everybody talks about milking off the government tit. Well, we might as well be a tit. Because I'm a tiny brewery that makes less than a thousand hectoliters a year. I, I kind of am hoping to hit that mark this year. Yeah. I make a thousand hectoliters a year. I'm taxed at the same rate as a brewery that makes 15,000 hectoliters a year. Yeah. We, we pay the same tax rate. In British Columbia. In BC. Yeah. And the province went through this point where they lowered my tax rate at my volume markup. It's not tax, it's yeah. volume markup. Yeah. They lowered it pretty significantly. That's good. And then my price on the shelf went up. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see a penny of that. I actually made less money in the grand scheme of things with the lower volume markup because they took away uh, the way the old system worked is we had a higher volume markup rate and everything was at a set price based upon a price that I established. Yeah. Uh, I got paid a 10% commission for what was sold out of my tap room. That commission went away. The volume markup dropped 42 cents. My price on the shelf across the street went up 73 cents. And I made less money because of that loss of the 10%. How's that work? Yeah. You it's, know? It's, it's tricky. And I'm, and I'm banging my head against the wall trying to keep employees employed and pay them. Yep. And every time I get an email from the provincial government, they brag at the bottom, there's a blurb about how they've given $1 billion annually to the province. Yeah. And it's like, well... That's fucking great. What about me trying to, you know, support local, support local, yeah. you know, run a business, support my family? And you and I, you you and I have been through this before, where we're comparing differences between Alberta and British Columbia now, where there are some good things that happen in Alberta, but with the way they're doing it, it affects out-of-province businesses when it oh, comes to craft beer. So the good thing, we'll, we'll touch on the good thing for, first with. Um, uh, you know the, the different laws and bills they, they've come up with in uh, Alberta for craft brewing 
is that they they're giving um, I guess you'd call them bursaries or um, a little bit of a bump to small breweries in Alberta. Yeah. Where, and and it's it's ex the, the craft brewing industry in Alberta is just ex exploding. It's booming, uh, which is well, a the, great the, thing. The first thing that they did, and the reason why we initially actually didn't go to Jasper and build, mm -hmm. was because they had a minimum production volume. You had to be capable of having X amount of volume in fermentation. But at this would have been about time. six years ago. No, excuse me. This or was five? 2013. Oh, okay. So, besides the fact that Jasper is just expensive, yeah, we one of the reasons we couldn't go there is because I couldn't afford the equipment necessary to maintain this production volume they require. Yeah. So we ditched that idea and, and came to Vailmount. Yeah. Well, besides that whole discussion we had earlier about Vailmount, but so we kind of were like, no, okay, we'll we'll start in Vailmount. Forget Jasper. We'll just start really small. I shit you not, we opened December 6, 2013. January of 2014, they got rid of that requirement. Yeah. The minimum requirement. So I was like, ah, eh, whatever. Still too expensive living Jasper. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, the renting the space or the owning the property is just ridiculous. Yeah. So we... And um, also the National Park guidelines you have to follow as well. Anyway. Yeah. So we... Um, they changed that. And that was the first step. Like, guys like Toolshed benefited hugely from that change. Because Toolshed started with guys who needed to raise revenue, so they started contract brewing at uh, Dead Frog yeah. in Surrey, I think, or Abbotsford. Uh, Abbotsford. Yeah, somewhere, it's somewhere in that area. <clears throat> um, and what it allowed them to do was say, okay, well, we've made X amount of revenue, which wasn't enough to put their big brewery in place, but now all of a sudden the rules change, the minimum goes away. Now they can pony up and put a brew house in and start brewing their, their own, own beer right there on site. Yeah. Which is awesome. I, I do applaud Alberta for even letting them have a license and doing the contract brew. Like oh, the ignition of the industry has just been amazing. Yeah. And so then it was an amazing thing because they were like, well, we're going to ditch or we're going to change the tiered system. And, and let's be clear, like I started out paying 97 cents a liter as a markup on a package product in BC, uh -huh. which changed from 97 down to 55. And now through a lot of fight last year, uh, if anybody ever can tweet her and give her wind of this mad props to Shirley Bond mm -hmm. um, because she brought the fight mm -hmm. into the BC legislature and we at least brought it down to 40 cents mm -hmm. which again I still would like to see in BC a reduction or not a, a reduction a differentiation I want to see a less than 5,000 hex or a less than 3,000 hex that'd be huge because like holy shit I started year one at uh, three, 360 hectoliters. Mm -hmm. Year two at 430 hectoliters. I just finished year three at 760. Yeah. And I'm hoping to hit a thousand. Well, you know what I mean? But to, to give me three years of operating and I'm paying the same tax rate as what Matt Phillips did in year seven. Yeah. 
In Victoria. In Victoria. And you're just like... A big city. A capital city. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I would like to see that change, but again... The fact that we've reduced is awesome. I, I'm not super keen on the way the retail pricing has changed. We'll get there. Something will happen. <clears throat> but so Alberta went, I, and I wasn't super familiar with their system to begin with. Mm. But they went from what I think was like a 20 or 22 cents per liter markup on a brewery my size. And then it dropped down to 10. Yeah. And then it was, so there's a new West partnership or something, which is BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan yeah. in this uh, trade deal. Yep. Which is kind of stupid because you're on the same country, so you don't need to make fucking trade deals. You know, it, it, I, I used to make fun of the state so, so much for, like, how each state is so different than their state, especially Texas. Uh, yeah. How it's, like, almost a different country. And Texas, actually, if I remember correctly, isn't part of the United States, technically. No, well, it is, but it does have the right to secede from the Union because it was its own country. It was. For five years. Won't get into that. That's a whole other topic. Uh, Texas. Queers and stairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Quoting Full Metal Jack. Great movie. Uh, but, with, with, you know, with what you're talking about, it would almost be nice because you're starting a business where... You know, you're, you're being thrown into this cap situation. It's almost like putting in, in, in boxing. You have a featherweight, and you're just like, oh, we don't have the featherweight uh, division. We're just throwing you in the middle class. Yeah. That guy's going to get beat the crap out you're of You're now a flyweight. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> right? Um, it, it, that's where it's kind of nice in Alberta. But at the same time, if, if in BC, they could just see, like, okay, this guy's coming out of a small market. He's trying to make this industry work. You know, he's only got seven employees. Imagine if we dropped his, you know, uh, taxes and, uh, you know, bills down by, by a fraction or something like that, where he could double his employment. How good would that be for the town? You know, maybe, you know, you're not going to be the, 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 the business in the town that's going to really uh, bring 100 more people or 200 more people here. But at the same time, it'd be really nice to, you know, give, give you a break in a sense where you could create more jobs. Well, yeah, no, it, it's true, but it's... And help you succeed, at least. Yeah. It, the thing becomes is... Oh, a little bit of the hypocrisy. It's like trying to get, you know, the, uh, the craft beer industry in the province of BC is in the top three growth industries. Mm-hmm. It's been huge. And it, it's... It's uh, fostering other industries and growing. There used to be a massive throughout the Fraser Valley and uh, massive hop farms everywhere. I All I ever hear, good God, like I ever even had seen the Fraser Valley more than six years ago. Everybody tells me how it used to be nothing but fucking hop trellises and plants Same with everywhere. Corona. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, okay, now it's just greenhouses and... I don't know. I smell pig shit when I go through there. <laughs> so, but, mm. um, so, everybody talks about this. Well, guess what? Now there's hop farms again. Yeah. And there are hop farms popping up all over BC. And so this is the kind of thing where it's like, well, this stuff is happening because of the booming industry. Mm-hmm. So when do you look at it and stop milking it and make it more viable? 
by creating this delineation of three, you know, 3,000 hectoliters to help small business. Instead of, you know, when uh, the Craft Brewers Guild goes and says, hey, the liquor board, because we're separated into two entities, our liquor, we have a LCLB, which is Liquor Control Licensing Board, which purely deals with issuing licenses to business. And then there's the LDB, the Liquor Distribution Board, which actually manages volume markup, production register, product registration, uh, you know, overseeing production of breweries and the whole thing, like actually the product and the beer hitting the market. Uh. And so they, the LDB is, the Craft Brewers Guild's gone to them and been like, okay, we're a fucking big industry. We're a big booming thing. You should support us. Uh, let's talk about, instead of having an entire skid or two skids, like the Vailmount uh, liquor store has two skids of Budweiser sitting there. Like 15 packs and 24 packs. Yeah. And over here, there's a wall where we've done a, a lot of work there. Our liquor store manager is amazing. We have a wall of craft beer. Yeah. You know, but when I came in, there were literally five craft beer skews up there when I first came to this town. And you go into a lot of liquor stores, and it's like that. Like, there's an entire center row of nothing but uh, PWB, of, yep. you know, uh, Caribou, of Coors, Miller, Budweiser, Bud Light. But, and it's, you can buy a six-pack, you can buy an eight-pack, you can buy a 15-pack, you can buy a 24-pack, a 12-pack. North American Pale Lagers. Just. In different variety of sizes. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's just this massive pile of stuff, and it's like, I can make a six-pack, and my six-pack is $2 more than theirs. Yeah. Sorry. Like, unless you You're really see quality. the quality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But so then the argument becomes, I don't even have listings in the liquor board because I'm too small, and I can't stock it. And without listings, I technically am not allowed to have my product on a government liquor store shelf. Mm -hmm. However, I live uh, in the town of Vailmount, and in BC, I have access to my government liquor store and a private liquor store. And this, mind you, I applied for my first listing, and I got essentially the finger. And I called and had a discussion with the ma product manager at the time, and I was like, okay, you gotta understand my situation. The day that I walked into this town, and said I was going to have a lounge endorsement and actually serve glasses of beer, mm -hmm. regardless that I have a three-beer limit in my tap room, yep. regardless that I close at 8 o'clock. Yep. The guy who owns the only bar in town, I all of a sudden became his competition. He wouldn't touch my product. No. And he owns the only private liquor store in town. Now, mind you, in my first discussion with him, I actually was made very aware that I should probably never do business with him because the guy is a bit of a show. Yeah. But my only option is a government liquor store. I'm going to open from 3 to 8 o'clock because that's the hours that make sense for me running a tap room and selling beer. In this size of town, for sure. But how am I ever going to sell product if I'm only open four days a week from 3 to 8? Yeah. Uh, I'm never going to. So I need that liquor store. And guess what? The nearest town, McBride has only a government liquor store. So if you don't give me a listing, how do I get in there? 
Yeah. How do I get my product out of here? Yeah. So they turned a blind eye and they allowed me to go in there. That's nice. Years later, the craft beer guild goes to the province and is like, well, we need to, we need small breweries that are local in these liquor stores. It doesn't make sense just because they're too small to get a listing to not be in a local liquor store. So they're like, oh, that's great. We'll do that. As a crow flies, the nearest six breweries can get two listings in each liquor store. And it's like, well, uh, okay. As the crow flies. Yeah. And oh, by the way, no discretion to the fact that you're a brew pub and you don't package. Yeah. You're just a craft brewery. Yeah. So Kamloops North Shore Liquor Store. I have my only draft count in Kamloops. Literally 800 meters, I ish from that liquor store but i can't get product in there because there are two non-packaging brew pubs closer than me so i have product in pg and in a few places where i have access mm -hmm. when i get my list of all the liquor stores that i qualify as one of the six closest I can put product from Williams Lake North all the way to the coast. Every single government liquor store, I'm one of the six closest craft breweries all the way to Dees Lake, Fort St. John. Right to the borders. All the way to the borders. Yeah. But guess what? I cannot cost effectively put the product there because shipping is extremely onerous. Mm -hmm. But who goes there? Oh, the BCLDB does, right? They yeah. send a truck up there, probably half fucking empty. And guess what pays for that truck? My volume markup. But I can't get on that truck. No. Because I don't have a listing. Business. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't So these it? are the challenges that you face in this whole world of, like, them wanting money. They want that $1 billion at the bottom of their email to give to the province, and they're going to get that through the mass volume that they're going to do of Budweiser and Coors and all that other shit. Yeah. But realizing that the people that are employing people and creating gross domestic product for this province is their craft beers. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I'm not sure there's something going on behind the scenes or anything like that, but... Of course there is. I've always thought that if you're making, if, if, if you're a brewery that has, that, that has more beer going, or more products going down the drain than certain breweries make in a year, like the actual product that goes in a can and you drink out of your hand, you know, in a can or something like that, uh, you should be taxed pretty heavily, you know, and then let the little guys, you know, thrive. And just to let you know, in all of the tax changes, over our volume markup rates over the mm -hmm. years. The one brewery that is always in the sweet spot, Pacific Western. I wouldn't be surprised. And I give them props. They're a privately owned brewery. Yes. They're, they have survived and kind of given the fuck you to everybody along the way. Mm -hmm. They don't drink, they don't make a product that I choose to drink. That's fair. But they're independent. And yeah. Yeah, it, it's... You give them a tip of your hat for that. Yeah, you give them a tip. They, they attention, uh, essentially would be the first 
Or the, I guess, the longest... Shit, I don't know. <laughs> they, they, what they, they choose, I saw in a, a news article, they quoted, were quoted as saying, the first craft brewery. <clears throat> For British Columbia. For BC. Yeah, yeah okay. Which I, I don't even know if that's true, because probably somewhere in the no, days of sure. Port Chupin. It's, it's, it's a very odd thing, uh, especially in Alberta. I remember reading uh, uh, Stéphane uh, Beaumont, uh, or is it Stephen? A famous beer critic out of Quebec. Um, uh, uh, he, had a, he had a beer book. My dad passed on to me once I, I turned legal age in Alberta and uh, for drinking beer. <laughs> and uh, I was reading about the, the dark times and the, from the 60s to the, the 90s for craft beer in <clears throat> Canada. And the, the main one in Alberta was Big Rock that survived. Oh, yeah. Because everything else was being bought up by Molson, Labatt's. Uh, eventually, Sleeman's became very uh, big, and then all three of them got bought out by an American company. Uh, but yeah, so I've always, I've always kind of, you know, had a, had a, an admiration for uh, Big Rock, uh, you know, Calgary, whatever. But they've always come out with some good beers. The way the direction of the company is going now, I'm not really thrilled how they have a, a big brew pub in Vancouver. I always thought of like Big Rock being kind of a cool Albertan thing. Um, but I've always loved their variety and stuff like that. So, yeah, see, this uh, is... but, but what, 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 you know, how these independent companies have been able to survive <clears throat> British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, even Manitoba, how they've been able to give the middle finger to, uh, the macros and still hold, uh, hold true to what they're, they're doing. Like, especially the original six, uh, sorry, not original 16, but, uh, Great Western Brewing Company in Saskatchewan, they almost got bought out by Labatt's, but they have the original 16 owners that, they all kind of jumped in together, and it's like, no, let's let's buy, or let's put our money in to keep this brewery afloat. And Survive they're doing very well. Sixteen owners. <laughs> <laughs> the Alberta, sorry, what was it? The Edmonton Oilers were able to do that. That, that was quite remarkable. But I give them props. I mean, it's 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 kind of a hard world, and it is a hard world. It is. Yeah. It, it's a. Uh, it doesn't help the more breweries tend to go at each other because we end up with all these stupid trademark issues and kind of petty bullshit you know around just the little things that bring everyone down yeah well that's one thing I love about the northern breweries right now because we're we're small we're fighting for the same space like we're you know we've looked at building just a co-op purely for distribution on the north Mm -hmm. and the discussion is like let's work together and let's bring our shipping costs down and if we're going to fight it out, we'll fight it out over the tap handle. But, you know, let's at least everybody get to the same fucking door front. Totally. And so, yeah, that's kind of a challenge. It's, it's an interesting place and world. And I don't know. It, I, I love beer. I don't know if I'd go into the industry again. <laughs> well, enjoy fighting the good fight there, Mike. Um, we're over the hour mark here, uh, but I, I wanted to talk some uh, two more questions with you. Uh, hopefully, we can just kind of do a rapid fire with these. Um, just curious if like any, you know, any any kind of like beer meccas or breweries you've always wanted to visit or go to that I haven't yet, or that, that you have not yet. I'd love to go to Sierra Nevada. Um, I like sorry to kind of already no, interrupt no. you on that question. I have never had a Sierra Nevada beer. Just because I want to have it at the source. 
just because I hear about it. It's it's so good and everything. So yeah, well, I've, I've been avoiding it until I actually go. I've driven really close to there. Um, one of the places that that is a mecca that I've been to is Russian River. That was amazing. That, yeah, I hear that's actually a really good place. That's the one with the Pliny the Younger, right? And Elder, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were, unfortunately, we were on a really long... Uh, this was right before my wife got handed her pink slip from Parks. We were on the oh, end of her mat yeah. leave. Yeah. Drove through California where she um, was really hurting from all our camping. And so we, we ended up skipping past Chico. But... No, you know, because the, the thing is, is uh, everybody makes a shitty beer. Yeah. And everybody makes an amazing beer. And so to me, it's all about walking in and catching the right beer, the right batch, the right time. Mm-hmm. There are breweries that are great. Like, I'd love to go to Stone. I, apparently, uh, we had friends that went to Stone, and they've developed this amazing you know, display and, and facility and restaurant. <clears throat> but it's kind of bigger than I really want to see. I really like the little places that, you know, kind of what we are, where I feel like we're that place where people walk in and, you know, they, they drink it and they're like, oh my God, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, fuck off, it is. <laughs> you know? The place has got personality. Yeah, where you, where you go, why is there this crazy little hole-in-the-wall brewery in this yeah. shitty little town of 900 people. That's always a nice surprise. Yeah. yeah. So. Those are always my, my, my favorite places. Um, you have some places that you're really happy to stop by? That, 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 that you've already visited? Oh, yeah. Russian River is awesome. Oh, uh, Fort George Brewing in uh, Oregon is uh, Ashland. Oregon is they're awesome yeah they have some amazing beers um I've been dying to go to Oregon yeah I haven't been there yet just want to do a big trip like go Vancouver Island a little bit of Vancouver right down Washington Oregon Northern Cali just right back up focus on Oregon because the thing is you open a beer map it's funny you open the craft beer guild map and in Oregon there's probably two by this point there's probably like 260 breweries mm-hmm. and then you fold it over and you go just to the portland side where there's like a hundred yeah and it's like holy shit are you kidding me i think oregon stole the uh the beer capital of the states from wisconsin well yeah and you know, you milwaukee know, used to be like the big beer city right two years ago um draft sales in oregon craft beer as a whole finally surpassed macro mm. in draft sales. And it's just hilarious. You know, like, we get a little pretentious in our world. Yeah. We don't get, in, in the brewery, we don't get a ton of a ton of sledders. So, after working the bar for a while and you hear what people say they drink and they want to try something and you're kind of trying to make them understand that you drink Alexander Keys mm-hmm. IPA you probably want to start with our pale ale. Yeah. You don't want to drink my IPA because they are worlds oh, apart. Oh, like drinking Alexander Keith's <laughs> IPA. It's like, might as well give you water with like one hop in there. So I just laugh because 
a truck pulls up with two sleds on the back of it. Mm-hmm. This couple comes in, kind of a, you know, twang in their voices. They just sound a little like sticks and so forth. And he's like, "Oh, I'll have an IPA." And you're like, uh, "Are you are you are you sure about that? What kind of IPAs do you drink?" Oh, I can't remember all the names now, but you know, I want uh, like, it, do you? Uh, he's like, I said, where are you from? Or from Medford, Oregon. I'm like, oh, fuck, here, sorry. <laughs> you know, like, oh, please excuse me, sir. Sorry <laughs> to waste your time. That was my assumption. That was completely wrong, and I apologize. <laughs> you know? Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Head down, you know, bowing the whole time. Totally, you know? Yeah. And you're just like, holy crap. Yeah, this is water to you. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah, this is Bailhouse IPA, so it's quite not. <laughs> I wish you were here for the, the, t- the double tail slap. Yeah. The double IPA, folks. Um, all right. After that, uh, just just to kind of keep the podcast going, because you're saying this is your first time being recorded on a podcast, but you are a big podcast fan. What podcast do you listen to? Oh, like, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are some of your favorites? I, uh, so there's a kind of a veteran-focused podcast um, called Drinking Bros out there. Uh it's not just veterans, though. It's a, it's a community that's that's kind of built around veterans, but extends well past that. Mm. Um, it, it's a great fucking group of people, and and the whole idea behind drinking bros is that you never drink alone. Yeah. Like I have started the uh, uh, British Columbia page. There's an Alberta page, and in fact, I post on there today that I'll be out in Edmonton in uh, April. And I've already got people being like, hey, what dates are you coming out? Well, sweet, come out and drink, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, the, and the whole thing is, you know, is about a supportive community that, you know, you, you don't drink alone. And especially when you look at the, you know, the background of military members once you leave the service, um, you don't have the same community that you did when you're in the service. And no. so trying to, trying to find that and... And keep that association uh, and that support base. Uh, so they have a podcast, and it is uh, rude, crude, and extremely un- unapologetic. So, um, but don't, don't be offended when you go on. You know. Yeah. <laughs> if if you think I've dropped a couple of too many f bombs, don't <laughs> don't click on that one. <laughs> no, I, you know I, I totally agree with you because like with forestry, you know I've never had a job where it's been that kind of camaraderie. We're with the same guys all the time, yeah. every day, every week, you know, almost 24-7 kind of thing. You know, there's the same people, you know, we get, yeah. we, get, we have a lot of females that work with us as well. Um, and, and, you know, like, maybe it's not the same kind of uh, job hazard, you know, the, the, the hazardous job, but, you know, you get guys in the rigs that are with the same crew all the time, too. So you, you get to know those people, you get, like, you, you know their whole backstory and everything, so you know what makes them tick, you know. You know what kind of their their soft spots are, so you're able to yeah bring bring the funniest out of them or yeah. Well, I mean, it's just interesting because there's there's a certain reality to when uh, your existence depends on other people, and mm-hmm. you acknowledge that. Yeah. You know, and and so that's kind of a and that's kind of that, that subtle reality that you never openly talk about yeah but you know exists and therefore it's the bond yeah so 
Yeah. He, well, it, it, it's probably, you know, quite, quite nice when you can hear stories from other guys that, you know, they, they get it. Yeah. Well, and when you, when you just kind of talk the same language, like, you know, you can speak directly to someone without it being offensive. You can... Yeah. Yeah. So... It, it's uh, it's kind of cool in that respect. <clears throat> I listen to that. I li- they have offshoots as well. Um, and I listen to those. I did listen to a few brewing podcasts for a while, but I was actually just having this discussion. The funny thing about brewing is it's a process. The same fucking science happens repeatedly. And at some point, if you're talking about the process, there's only so much you can talk about. Yeah. <laughs> well, you hear it over and over and over again. I've, I've been listening to a lot of, um, uh, you know, hockey podcasts. Yeah. And it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah. You know, this guy's doing well. This guy's underperforming. This team can probably make this. Blah, blah, blah. It's always the same thing, just different players all the time. And I love hockey. I love hockey. But there's an, after a while, it gets old. You know, I, I especially like um, follow TSN 1260 and 630 Ched. Both Edmonton radio stations, so they cover the Oilers. I love the Oilers. You know, fa- favorite sports team out there. You know, besides Team Canada, but uh, you know, they can only talk about so much per day. You know, like there's times where the Oilers don't play for like four days, and it's like, what else are they going to talk about between these four days? Where they're they're not playing hockey. So. The potential fucking lineup changes. Oh but... god. Oh, who cares? They'll talk about twenty minutes about. Oh, well, maybe this guy will jump in. Maybe this guy will jump in. But you know, I. I all the kind of the same shit. So I, I totally get what you mean with the brewing podcast. They are a lot of fun to listen to, and you know, especially it, as you're the learning. stories like, are the fun. amazing. Oh, if you're just starting, for sure. Like yeah. homebrewing podcast, great. Like if you find a homebrewing pod, podcast, check it out. Do you have any recommendations? We have um, a few, we have a few uh, you know rookie homebrewers out there. So. Yeah, no. So um, the Brewing Network is is really good, especially if you go back into the older stuff in the archives. Um, and the the Jamil show is actually good as well. And again, in the early stuff, I haven't listened to them in quite a while, so I won't claim fuck all about them. Like after uh, shit, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because they, yeah, I just kind of. Well, you probably outgrew them. Well, yeah, it's not. It's not even just that. I. It's. Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff to be gleaned. Like, I actually learned a, a coffee extraction method that I think is phenomenal. No, oh, totally. Listening to that. But, again, too, like, I just don't want to fucking listen to it. Yeah. And there are conversations that you like to hear, because the fact is, is you and I have talked about a shit ton of other stuff, and some people don't want to listen to our conversation. Yeah, I'm sure there's other people, people are going to laugh their asses off, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so you just kind of go, well, fuck, who do I actually want to listen to talk? And so it, it becomes a bit of a challenge in that respect. Like, yeah. you know, what are you going to, what are you going to enjoy? And so I don't, I don't know. What's the carousel? How long do you want to stay on? You going to jump yeah. off? Jump on a new ride? All that kind of stuff. It, it's honestly, Podca- I, I find that podcast or Joe Rogan. I listen to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's great. Not everybody, because some of his guests are annoying as fuck. It, it's 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 really amusing. Like um, my my attack leader, my firefighter leader, uh, last year, he's a big Joe Rogan fan. So we listen to a few of them, and it's really funny when he gets a guy that he doesn't agree with, 
and he'll just like let him talk more and more and more and just dig this hole and then at the end he's like you're a fucking idiot oh. <laughs> and it just tears them apart I listened to uh, fuck Marin uh, what the fuck with uh, WTF with uh, Mark Marin yeah yeah, and sounds, sounds, sounds familiar. yeah the, he has some interesting ones, but he's the same way. He's kind of a fucking, I don't know. He is interesting, but I like Joe Rogan. He's, yeah. When he, yeah. He's an educated guy, and I, that's, I used to make fun of him because he's just a jack of all trades. Like you see him on every TV channel, on yeah. basic cable. Uh, but he's interesting in the sense that he just wants to learn. You know, he does, if, yeah. if, he, if he doesn't understand something, he'll take the time, even if it seems stupid. Like, do he, you want to? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to really get dive into this, but like, we'll, we'll go with an idea of veganism. Even if he doesn't agree with it completely, he'll still learn as much as he can about it, and then he'll ha he'll form his opinion after he's learned about it. So with he, he's he's usually very vocal about the things he doesn't like. But at least he takes the time to learn about them, and then he develops his own opinion. So I give him credit for that. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. I haven't heard of him. Are you serious? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Alex Jones is a guy. Is he a comedian? Or? Oh, fuck no. He is. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> just go listen to the Joe Rogan interview with Alex Jones. Alex Jones runs a website called InfoWars, which... Humorously enough, comes across as this fairly ultra right wing, but it is fucking nutty. Like they're talking about aliens and some other shit. Oh shit! <laughs> oh my god! It just goes <laughs> like all, and I, the funny thing is, is like Rogan smoking pot, and Jones busts out the whiskey, and like halfway through, you're like, holy shit! Am I seriously listening to this? <laughs> So it was more humorous than anything, but it's worth listening. Oh, it's fucking funny. Well, uh, yeah, listeners, if you've been making it this far, you know, apologies for the long podcast, but you guys have pause buttons, and uh, you, know, you can always remember where you left off. So and you can go to the potty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you can listen and walk and all that fun stuff at the same time. Uh, yeah, check those podcasts out if uh, you haven't yet, and they might intrigue you. Um, Mike, we're going to have to cut this off. Uh, I still have a uh, uh, you know, number of questions for you, but we'll have to save them for next time when you, when you and I meet up together. I'm going to be going back up north to fight fires uh, come April 3rd. That's when I start. Mike's going to be gone to Texas until, what, a week and a half, two weeks? Oh, yeah, like 10 days. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, when we get back, we'll be in Edmonton April 7th for a tap takeover. I think I'm going to maybe be at Wine Select Liquor Store in Edmonton in the first weekend of June. Wine Select or Wine Beyond? Wine Select. Wine Select, okay. And for a uh, open house they're doing, like a spring open house, mm -hmm. two to five. Well, if you're from Edmonton and you want to check it out, or St. Albert or Sherrod Park or that Edmonton area, uh, check Mike out. Say hi. Tell him that you were listening to the podcast. Maybe it'll do something fun for you. If you're a veteran, a, uh, hit up our contact page on threeranges.com and uh, go buy some Sacrifice Red Ale. And It's a great beer. Fucking come out to uh, the Vail Mountain Craft Beer Experience June 17th. It's a great Father's Day gift or Mother's Day gift or just a self. 
pity gift. <laughs> this is an excuse to go somewhere. If I've got uh, the time off, you'll see me there for sure with my brother, and we'll be. And you know what? If you come out, we'll do chapter three. There you or go. Four. Well, whatever time that is, we, yeah, we might might have you on as a special guest. Who knows? Um, but yeah, you know, thank thank you, Mike, for uh, dropping in. Uh, to my brother's acreage that I'm looking after at the moment. I hope I can get out because all the snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's been puking out here. It's a glorious thing. I love winter. Um, yeah, so hopefully you guys have been enjoying my first uh, few episodes of my own little side podcast under the Not After 30 podcast. Um, and thank you very much. I feel very honored for being at the very beginning. Yeah, yeah, no, you definitely, uh, definitely up there, Mike. Uh, you and I have been knowing each other for a few years. Definitely one of my confidants for, uh, and mentors for brewing, so I, I always trust your opinion. Whenever I wasn't able to get a hold of my boss, I'd just call you or text you <laughs> in, in, in a panic. And then there were the times you sexed, and I told you that was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised Randy hasn't beaten me yet. Um, but yeah, no, it's always a pleasure coming out to Bailmount. Uh, if you haven't been out here yet, you're missing out. Come out. It's a stone throw away from Jasper. And if you're coming from Jasper to Bailmount, uh, it's an hour and a half drive, and you're losing an hour, so you're going back in time. It's honestly only a half hour you're losing, if you think about it that way. So, If you um, drive fast enough, you can arrive at the same time you leave. I don't advocate that, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> explore your country. Explore good beer. Um, don't drink and drive, folks. Have yourselves a good night or a good day, whatever time of day it is. Mike, do you have anything to say? Fucking A. <laughs> have a good trip buddy uh, yeah we'll talk to you guys soon we'll get some more Mike Lewis in the future have, uh, talk to you later bye